that's really what it means. Uh, so it makes a lot of sense. Some of the things that as we go through it, uh, here's some of the topics that we're going to look at. And tonight we'll be looking at the first one, the person of the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit a person? We're going to answer that question tonight from a biblical standpoint. We're going to, next week, well, I'm sure we'll get into it, is the deity of the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit deity? Is he God? And we're going to answer that from a biblical standpoint. I mean, we know the answers, okay? I mean, we can, but we're going to look at it in depth so that we can understand how that it, it comes about biblically. And also we'll probably look in, in regards to that at the, the doctrine of the Trinity and how all that works together. We'll be looking at the titles of the Holy Spirit. We'll be looking at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Uh, we'll be looking at the Holy Spirit in Christ. We kind of covered that a little bit in John, but we'll, we'll, it, it might be a little bit kind of a review, but uh, we'll continue with that because, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit and Christ are obviously very much related and interlinked. We're going to look at the uh, subject of cessationism and the Bible versus continuinism. Continuinism. All right, which is basically, did the gifts cease when the last apostle died, uh, or when the when the New Testament, if you want to say the New Testament time came to a close, did all of those things cease? And uh, you probably can guess what my answer is to that, but we'll look at that from a biblical standpoint. Um, we'll look at the work of the Holy Spirit. We'll look at the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and uh, all of that. And finally, we will look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. As we go through those, those are, I mean, those are big headings, okay? As we go through those things, uh, there'll be other things that we cover and obviously subtopics underneath those things. And there might be a few other, other uh, topics that we look at as we go through it. But those kind of give you a general idea of what we're, what we're looking at and what we'll be studying and what we'll be going through. You know, those are kind of major topics regarding the Holy Spirit, uh, but we'll, 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 we'll cover lots as we go through it. Now, one, one thing, let's just kind of get through it. I hear, I've had this question before, and I know that this is probably kind of a simple question, but people have 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 asked me what's the difference between the holy spirit and the holy ghost and there is none okay the holy spirit and the holy ghost are the same same person okay um in the church sometimes people refer to holy spirit sometimes they refer to the holy ghost and often it depends on the translation that you use king james uses holy ghost and holy spirit interchangeably uh, more the recent translations tend to use the Holy Spirit, as you can see in, in the example. Uh, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to speak. And this is the, this is the translation that I use for most of, my, most of my speaking. In my studies, I use the King James. Uh, but uh, in the King James, it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay, and... The reason ghost is used in the King James was because obviously the King James was translated hundreds of years ago, and our English word ghost comes from a, uh, an, an old Anglo-Saxon word, which means spirit. And, and so that's, that would make sense for why they used 
that name to describe the Holy Ghost, okay? Now, the King James does use the Holy Spirit in, in Ephesians 4.30. It says, and, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Or in 1 Thessalonians 4.8, it also says, uh, He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God who hath also given us his Holy Spirit. So the King James has, has also used Holy Spirit in its translation. But whether we use Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, know that we're talking about the same person. All right, well, let's get into it. The question tonight that we're going to be looking at is the Holy is or the person of the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit a person? Okay. Is the Holy Spirit something or someone? Is the Holy Spirit just a power that is available to us? Or is he a person that we have fellowship and relationship? Most Christians, you know, most Christians are going to say that the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, but, but oftentimes we do not realize that we, we, we many times treat the Holy Spirit like a power. Sometimes we'll say things, well, if I can only get more of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's looking at the Holy Spirit in a sense of, of more of a power than it is looking at a, as a person of relationship. Uh, we look sometimes at the Holy Spirit as a commodity or a product or a service that we can purchase or earn more of. And, and, and that is a difficult thing, and, and sometimes it leads us to treat the Holy Spirit in a manner that it is not based upon the fact that he is a person. So we want to look at what the Bible says. We want to see uh, that the Bible gives us, uh, I, well, gives us definite understanding that the Holy Spirit is a person. And so what we want to look at tonight is the personal characteristics of who the Holy Spirit is, or the biblical personal characteristics of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to go through several tonight. First one that we want to see tonight is that the Holy Spirit has understanding, has wisdom, has intelligence. Some people put it this way, the Holy Spirit has a mind, okay, because it encompasses kind of all of these different things. But the Holy Spirit we see tonight will has, has understanding, he has wisdom, and he has intelligence. And we can, we can look at this scripture tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. It says there, but God has revealed them to us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Likewise, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Okay? So what we see here is that the Holy Spirit has understanding or wisdom, um, which is inseparable or is an inseparable characteristic of a person or a being. This pew does not have any understanding or wisdom, all right? Uh, if you take electricity, which is a power, has no understanding or wisdom, okay? But a person has understanding, has wisdom, and intelligence. The first thing that we can see about that is the Holy Spirit searches all things. And to search is an activity of understanding and intelligence, okay? Uh, you cannot search, you cannot go out and search for something if you have no intelligence, no wisdom or understanding to do so. 
We also see here that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit knows the things of God. Okay? He knows the things of God. Because uh, it says there in the last part, verse 11, no one knows the things of God except the Holy Spirit. So we know that the Holy Spirit has wisdom, he has understanding, he has intelligence. In other words, we could say that he has a mind. Now there's an interesting, and, and through some of these tonight, we're gonna, just going to see some, some interesting things. One is, a, is this, there's a promise that comes with that. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, which says, Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of God, so that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. So what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit searches the deep things, reveals to, and, 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 and searches all things. He searches the deep things of God. He knows that we do not know them, but he knows them. And he comes and he reveals those things to us so that you and I might know the things that are freely given to us by God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? God gives us his Holy Spirit so that he can speak to us, so that he can part to us, so that he can give us an understanding of all the things that he has freely given to us. And so we see here one verse talking about how he has... Uh, he has understanding, wisdom, and intelligence. Another verse that lines up with this is found in Romans 8, 26 and 27, which says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. How many have ever been there? Right? Not knowing what to pray. Being in a situation where you don't know what to do, what to pray, what to say. How do you even approach God? All you want to do is go to God and say help in some ways. <laughs> uh, but it says there, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So we see here the activities of the Holy Spirit as a person. For, first of all, we see that, the, the, that it talks about the mind of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a mind. He has intellect. He has brain, a brain. He has intelligence, okay? Again, it says there that he knows what is in our hearts. In fact, he, he searches it, okay? He who searches the hearts. That is talking about searching our hearts. Okay, and then knowing what is in the mind of the mind of God, and then interceding on our behalf. And then it says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Okay, and He intercedes for us based upon knowing the will of God. Okay, so the Holy Spirit has to be a person. The Holy Spirit cannot be a thing or simply a power because. Uh, no thing or simply power could do all of these things. There has to be activity of intelligence. There has to be activity of wisdom. There has to be, um, you know, activity of understanding in all of these activities to take place. Uh, and, and so we see here that the Holy Spirit is a person based upon, one, that he has understanding, wisdom, and intelligence. Okay. I like how the Amplified puts the last verse. 
the Holy Spirit searches the hearts of men, knows what is in the mind of the Holy Spirit, what his intent is, because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God on behalf of the saints according to and in harmony with God's will. That is a wonderful, wonderful promise that you and I have. Because I don't know about you, but in especially today's day and age, there are so many things to pray about that you look at and say, how am I to pray about this? Or you have certain situations in your life that come up, and it's like, how am I to pray about this? You know, and, 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 and so you get in there and you, you, you trust in and you rely upon and you depend upon the Holy Spirit to intercede upon your behalf through you. Yes, through you, he's interceding on your behalf, but he's praying through you the will of God in those situations. And that is a wonderful thing. I, I think about it sometimes. I'm going to tell a little secret, Sister Verna. I hope it's okay. Sometimes, you know, my wife and Sister Verna get on the phone. When they get on the phone, I might as well go get coffee. I might as well go forever, go find a newspaper. I might as well shut my life down for two hours because my wife is not going to be around. All right? I take the kids and all that. But you know what? The, they don't just sit and talk. They, they do talk a little bit, but, you'll, but then I'll hear my wife start praying. And, and her, she'll get into her closet and Sister Verna's on the phone. And they get lost in prayer, and they, they, they get lost in prayer, especially in the Holy Spirit, in the Spirit. And, and they're interceding on, on behalf of many things that, that, that they are, they've talked about or thinking about or situations. And, and it's just a wonderful thing. And, and they're interceding the perfect will of God for those situations. And God is so good. Um, so, you know, we, we can see that the Holy Spirit has understanding. He has wisdom, and he has intelligence. Number two, regarding his personal characteristics, the Holy Spirit has a will, which is a characteristic of a, of a person as well. This pew, again, does not have a will. This chair has no will. I mean, it has no choice. I'm sitting on it. It, it can't tell me to get off. I mean, it could break, all right, but it has no will, all right? But the Holy Spirit has a will, and we see it here in this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. But the, that one and very same Spirit works all these. We're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, okay? If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're talking about the gifts. So, the, But the one and very same Spirit works all these, and we could just say gifts, dividing to each one individually as he will. So he makes the decision. He's the one who distributes it. He's the one who divides it in, in, uh, uh, individually, okay? This would make no sense if the Holy Spirit was just simply an influence or a power. The gifts of the Spirit, in this case, are given and dispersed to the saints, to the church, according to his will, okay? So we see that the Holy Spirit has a will. Is it possible to deceive or lie to the Holy Spirit? I'm, I, no. I didn't say, I didn't say, are you going to get away with it? I said, is it possible to deceive or lie to the Holy Spirit? And the answer is yes. Okay? 
Acts chapter 5, verse 1 and 3. And we know the story. Now a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. He kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a part of it and placed it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to deceive the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Okay, so what did he do? He came and presented the proceeds, the money that he got for the land, made it look like this is all the money that they got, you know, let's say $50,000, and actually he was paid maybe a hundred, let's just say, I don't know what it was, but let's say it was it was $100,000 that he sold the land for, he came and deposited $50,000 at the apostles' feet and made it look like this was all of it, and of course, Peter being a man of God, Peter being full of the Holy Spirit, Peter in this point, and we can use this later on when we talk about the gifts, Peter having a, uh, a, a word of knowledge come okay, to him, uh, says, why has Satan filled your heart to deceive the Holy Spirit? Okay, So, yes, he deceived, the, or he tried to deceive the Spirit of God, but he didn't get away with it. Okay, You cannot lie to an object or thing. Okay, you can only lie to someone capable of hearing and receiving a witness. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is someone that you can try to lie to, you can try to deceive, it won't work, but the Holy Spirit is a, is a person because he is capable of being lied to or deceived. Next one. Is it possible to grieve the Holy Spirit? Okay. Can you grieve a bench? No. Can you grieve lights? No. Can you grieve any object? No, you can't grieve it, but you, you can only grieve a person. But can we grieve the Holy Spirit? And the answer is yes. Because in Ephesians 4, verse 30, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, in whom you were sealed for the day of re redemption. Interesting. Hebrews 10.29 says, How much more severe a punishment do you suppose he deserves? Who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded the blood of the covenant that sanctified him to be a common thing. Now listen to this. this, is, this those other parts are important, but this is the focus. And has insulted or has done despite to, or has treated with contempt the Spirit of grace, which is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit can be grieved. He can be afflicted with sorrow. He can be hurt. He can be distressed. He can be insulted. These are all characteristics that come with the Holy Spirit being a person. Okay? Now the question comes in, Let's look at it. How can we grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, if you go to Ephesians 4.25, above that, it says there, Therefore, putting away lying, let every man speak truthfully with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. In other words, when angry, don't sin. Okay? Do not let the sun go down on your anger. This is, this is a good one for husbands and wives, right? 
Do not give place to the devil. In other words, don't give the devil an opportunity. Let him who steals steal no more. Instead, let him labor, working with his hands things which are good, that he may have something to share with him who is in need. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building up, that it may give grace to the listeners. In other words, don't speak something that is foul. Don't speak worthless speech. Speak that which is good and beneficial for others. So this verse or this passage comes right before that verse, you know, uh, you know, which we saw before, which was, let me just go back one, you know, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, okay? These are verses right before that. So lying, you know, not speaking the truth, being angry and sinning in that anger, giving place and opportunity to the devil, you know, obviously stealing, which is a, which he's, he's basically using as an activity for all these works that we, we that, that we shouldn't do, these deeds that we shouldn't do, how we talk, the things that come from our mouth, uh, you know, talking in a way that, that destroys, that brings death, that hurts. All of these things are activities that bring grieving to the Holy Spirit. Okay? That, that, that should, at least for me, it, it kind of puts me in a place of pause thinking about these things about how I respond to people, how I respond in life, the activities I, I, I do in life, my daily walk as far as the things that I do every day, how I talk to my wife, how I talk to my kids. I mean, all of these things come into play. Now, after that verse, it also says here, verses 31 to 32. So we have verse 30, which says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. But verse 31 and 32 says here, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, outbursts or temper, and blasphemies with all malice be taken away from you and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has also forgave you. So holding bitterness in our heart grieves the Spirit. Angry outbursts grieve the Holy Spirit. Blasphemies grieve the Holy Spirit. And by the way, the blasphemies here is not talking about blasphemy against God. This is slander or evil speaking or abusive speech towards people. Okay? Because of the context of the scripture here, this is talking about our relationship with one another, blaspheming one another or speaking in an insulting, abusive way towards one another. Malice, wishing evil on people, grieves the Holy Spirit of God. He says, let these be taken away from you and be kind to one another, being tenderhearted, forgiving, just as God in Christ also forgave you. So we see that it is possible to grieve the Holy Spirit, and, and that is a characteristic that only a person can have. Only a person can be grieved. Okay? Next one. Is it possible to quench the Holy Spirit? Yes. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. How can we quench the Spirit? Well, Stephen, just before he was stoned, he, he made a little speech, and just before they, they picked up the stone, in Acts 7, verse 51, it says, You stiff-necked people, 
uncircumcised in the heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your father did, so do you. Um, quenching the Holy Spirit is really resisting the Holy Spirit. Okay? Quenching the Holy Spirit is resisting the Spirit. Right after also it says, thereafter, do not quench the Holy Spirit. It says, do not despise prophesy or prophecies. Okay? And, and, and in fact, it's interesting because in Acts 7.51, uh, Stephen goes on to talk about also how the people of Israel treated the prophets of old and, and how they, they, uh, they basically uh, didn't listen to them and, 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 and didn't hear what they had to say. And so uh, we can quench the Holy Spirit. We can quench the Holy Spirit by the activities of our life. That's why I'm very careful in the church uh, not wanting to quench the Spirit of God. Because if we quench the Spirit of God, we might as well shut the doors and go home. Because then we just become a country club. We just become a place where we just come in and pat each other on the back and God can't do anything in our life. Okay? By the way, some of the ways we quench the Holy Spirit also in our lives is when the Spirit of God speaks to our hearts about doing certain things and we don't do those things that we know that we should do. Okay? If the Holy Spirit comes in and brings conviction and we don't listen to that, we don't repent, we don't turn, we don't listen to what the Spirit of God is saying, we are quenching the Holy Spirit. Here's the interesting thing about that. As we quench the Holy Spirit more and more, we become less and less sensitive to the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not that he's not there. It's not that he's not working. But we become less sensitive. Okay? Uh, so, is it possible to quench the Holy Spirit? Yes. Another one. Is it possible to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? Yes. All right? You, you can't really blaspheme a few. All right? But you can blaspheme a person. Here we have it. Matthew 12 verses 30 to 32. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Therefore I say to you, all kinds of sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven men. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven neither in this world nor in the world to come. That is a very serious verse, section of verses. That's a very serious section of verses. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, neither in this world nor in the world to come. I've had it. Now, the question is, what is blaspheming the Holy Spirit? I've had people come to me so worried that they've blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And usually I will say to somebody, if you are really concerned about the fact that you blasphemed the Holy Spirit, I can promise you, you didn't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Because to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you have to be so kind of dead and so insensitive to the Spirit of God and, and, and so that, that, that you, you just, you know, it's, you're not going to say those things. What, so what, what is blaspheming the Holy Spirit? Here it is. Here's the verses that came before that that gives us an understanding of what Jesus was talking about. 
verses 22 to 24. Then one possessed with a demon was brought to him. Speaking of Jesus, this person with a demon was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him, so that the blind and mute man both spoke, spoke and saw. Verse 23 says there, all the people were amazed and said, is he not the son of David? Okay, so they were looking at this situation, saw this man who was possessed with a devil, uh, or a person possessed with a devil, um, and Jesus touched him, and the man who was blind and mute and possessed was now set free and both spoke and saw. The people were amazed and began to say, is he not the son of David? Which is basically saying, isn't he the Messiah? Isn't he the one that we're looking for? And the Pharisees, in verse 24, turns and says, But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This man does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. So basically, the Pharisees look, and to discredit Christ, they turn around and says, The only reason that he can cast out this demon is because he's doing it by Beelzebub. He's doing it by Satan. He's doing it by the ruler of demons. Okay? And then, of course, Jesus goes on to the discourse talking about a house divided against itself cannot stand and so forth. And then he gets down to this verse which talks about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Really simply, blaspheming the Holy Spirit is attributing the activity or the work of the Holy Spirit to the, to the devil or demons. That's what really blaspheming the Holy Spirit is all about. It's saying this work that was produced or done or exhibited through the Holy Spirit was a result of demonic activity. Okay? And, and, and so, you know, that's why I say today sometimes some of the speakers and teachers who, who get up and, and make accusations about certain things in the church should sometimes be very careful what they say. Okay, some people turn around and say those who speak in tongues are speaking in the tongues of devils. I, you should be very careful what you say. Okay, because you're attributing, you're, you're in many ways attributing the work of the Holy Spirit uh, to demons. Okay, and, and so forth. So the Holy Spirit can be blasphemed, which is which is really a characteristic that can only be, uh, you know, that of a, of a person. All right, let's go on to another one. Let's move on. The Holy Spirit speaks. Good. That's good. Good questions. The Holy Spirit speaks. Now we have this, uh, we have this activity with, in Acts with Philip. Interesting. Are we on the right one? Okay, good. Because my computer went a little nuts there for a second. It says there, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise up and go toward the south on the way that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he rose up and went. And there was a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in command of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning, sitting in his chariot and reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go to this chariot and stay with him. Okay, so we have right here directly the Holy Spirit speaking directly to Philip. Okay, 
speaking directly to Philip. Um, and, and so we, we, we understand that only a person can speak, okay? Only a, a, a personal being can speak. Let's look at some other scriptures regarding that. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, it says, Now the Holy Spirit clearly says, okay, who says the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of God says, that in the last times some will depart from the faith and pay attention, pay attention to the seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. All right, and then we have in Revelation, it says there, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give permission to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So what we, we see here is that the Holy Spirit speaks. And if you have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, you will hear the Holy Spirit speak to you. Now, he speaks in different ways, okay? He speaks in different ways, but he does speak. And sometimes, uh, you know, he speaks in different ways at different times. Sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks to me through words, like I'll, I'll hear a, a thought. Sometimes I'll see a thought. Sometimes I'll, I'll get an impression in my heart. Um, I have never, I can't say that I've ever had the audible voice of God, which says, you know, Chad, I'm here, you know, now listen to me. Uh, but, uh, but, but the Holy Spirit speaks to me. One of the ways, which is one of the ways the Spirit of God speaks to me, which is really interesting, is he speaks to me in my prayer life when I write. And what happens is when I go into prayer, this is something that I do in prayer, I go, which is why I encourage some of you when, we, when I gave out the books and pens and stuff, I go into prayer, I spend time in prayer, worshiping, praising, praying, and so forth. And then I talk and I, I say, God, okay, now, now Spirit of God, speak to me. And then I get quiet. Interesting. I'll get, I'll get the Holy Spirit just whispers like a phrase into my head. And he speaks, it's just like four or five lines. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready for more. It's like just this over and over. And, and what I learned was the Holy Spirit wants me to begin writing those things down. And as I begin writing it down, everything else just comes. It's just like, a, and I'll get, I'll get a page or two. And it's just, I, it comes as fast as I can write it. He's just speaking to my heart. And it, it just, he speaks to me. And I love it because I can look back. And I can see the different things that the Holy Spirit has spoken to me over the course of time. So, but the Holy Spirit speaks. Uh, the Holy Spirit teaches, okay? The Holy Spirit teaches and guides. Alicia, you know I'm in Bible study. She's calling me. The Holy Spirit teaches and guides. Uh, verse Luke chapter 11 chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, when, you, when they bring you to the synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not anx be anxious how you will answer or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at, what time, uh, at that time what you shall say. Okay? So the Holy Spirit teaches there what we shall say when we are being accused. Okay? Um, John 14, 26. It's up there yet. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is a teacher to, for us. Okay? Uh, another verse, uh, 
John 16, 13. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his authority, but he will speak whatever he hears, and he will tell you things that are to come. So what we see here is that he's a teacher, that he's a guide, but also, interestingly enough, we saw that he has a will, but here we also see that he takes instruction. He doesn't speak on his own authority, okay? Uh, but he will speak whatever he hears. A lot like Christ saying, I only do the things that I see my father do. I only say the things that I hear my father say. In a lot of ways, we see that kind of similar idea here in that he speaks not on his own authority. He will guide us into truth. He will lead us into truth. He will teach us the truth, but he will not speak on his own authority, but he speaks what he hears, and he will tell us of the things that are to come. All right? Let's look at another aspect. The Holy Spirit commands or exercises authority. We saw that in Acts chapter 8, verses 29, when he said to Philip, go to this chariot and stay with it. That's him giving instruction with authority, commanding Philip what to do. Now here's another one. Acts chapter 13, verse 2. As they worshipped the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. All right, so not only, not only did he, the Holy Spirit speak in this instance, again, but he also commands or exercises authority in this situation and says, take these two men, set them apart for the work that I've called them to do. Okay? Another, another verse, which is an interesting one. Paul is traveling and preaching. Paul, and you would think that he is allowed to travel and, and preach, preach everywhere. But in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 7, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia and were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Isn't that interesting? Forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they came near Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not allow them. Now we know there's a reason, uh, because we're going to see after, we would see after that, that there was a man praying, and, 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 and Paul was sent to that, to that individual. But here we see here that the Holy Spirit commands or exercises the authority in that he, he forbids Paul to go preach the word or speak the word in Asia. And, and it says that, that the Holy Spirit didn't allow them to go. That's an interesting thing, and it's a thought for us tonight. This is just a side note. Not every door is of God, okay? Not every door is of God. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit and only go through the doors that he approves. Sometimes in the church, we don't understand that sometimes the doors, even though they look like, I mean, uh, you know, you would think going and preaching the word or speak, speaking the word in Asia would be something that you should do, but the Holy Spirit said stop. Okay, stop, and did not allow or forbid them not to go there, all right? So the Holy Spirit commands or exercises authority, which is, again, a, 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 a characteristic of a person, all right? The Holy Spirit creates. The Holy Spirit creates. Job 33 says, 33 verse 4 says, The Spirit of God has made me, 
and the breath of the Almighty has given me life. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty has given me life. And I know if we look back to Genesis chapter 1, it would say that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. Now, we don't see it there. God doesn't, God doesn't explicitly say it, but the Spirit of God was involved in creation. Okay? Psalm 104, verse 30 says, When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the surface of the ground. And you would have to read all the verses preceding that, before that, to, to see all the things that, that this is talking about. But the Holy Spirit is a person who creates. Okay? He's involved in creating. Next one, the Holy Spirit fellowships. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've probably heard this, and the love of God and the communion or the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So the Holy Spirit communes or fellowships or has relationship with each uh, of us all. He wants to have fellowship or relationship with each of us, okay? That is only, again, a characteristic of a person. You cannot have fellowship with a pew. You cannot have fellowship with a stool. You know, you can try. I mean, some people today are crazy enough to try many of those things, but you cannot have communion with an object or a power. You can only have communion or you can only have fellowship with a person. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. John 14 and 16 says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another counselor or comforter that he may be with you forever. Jesus here refers to as the comforter and not simply as comfort. Objects like blankets, clothes, you know, a cup of coffee can, can seemingly, uh, in some sense, give us some comfort, but, there, but only a living person, only a being can be a comforter, okay? And you will also notice the personal pronoun that Jesus uses here in saying he, okay? Jesus calls the Holy Spirit a comforter, and he also says that he may be with you forever okay john 15 26 but when the counselor or the comforter comes whom i shall send to you from the father the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father he will bear witness of me again just confirming this whole aspect of the holy spirit being the comforter being a person the holy spirit has love Romans 15.30 says, Now I ask you, brothers, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, to strive with me in your prayers to God on behalf. No object or power or thing can have love. Only a person can have love. Only a person can have that emotion. Okay? Another one, the Holy Spirit witnesses to me. John 15, 26, he will bear witness of me. We've seen that. Hebrews 12 or 10, verse 15, the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us about this. For after saying, and then goes on, Romans 8 and 16, the Holy Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits 
that we are the children of God, okay? Um, it's only a, a person can be a witness, okay? The Holy Spirit witnesses to us. Last one says there, Jesus said the Holy Spirit would take his place, okay? Jesus said the Holy Spirit would take his place. John 14, 16, we saw it. I pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter or another counselor that he may be with you forever. Jesus is saying that he's a comforter, okay, because he's saying, I'm sending you another, okay? So he, the Holy Spirit is taking his place. Jesus was a comforter. Now he's going away, and he's sending the Holy Spirit to replace or take the place of, and he says uh, that he will be with us forever. Again, John 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, is it expedient for you that I go away? For if I do not go away, the counselor will not come to you, or the comforter will not come to you. But if I go, I will send who? Him to you. And so what we can see here is that there can be no comparison between Jesus as a person, as a, as a, as a being in that sense, and simply just an influence or a power. Okay, Jesus is a person, the Holy Spirit is a person. Jesus the Comforter, the Holy Spirit the Comforter. The questions, before we get into prayer, that you can think about is this. And you can kind of personalize it in some sense, because these are the questions that I came to my, my mind as I thought about this. Do I treat the Holy Spirit as a person? Okay? Do I treat the Holy Spirit as a person? Okay? Looking at all of these different things that we've talked about tonight, how does this change my interaction with the Holy Spirit? And this, this is just something that we should think about, okay? Because sometimes we do treat, even as, if you want to say, Pentecostals, we treat sometimes the Holy Spirit like a commodity or a power or a product rather than a person, okay? And so... How, would, how does that change my interaction with him? Another thing to think about, do I have fellowship and relationship with the Holy Spirit? Okay? And fourthly, are we sometimes more focused on the Holy Spirit as a person, or are we focused on his power and gifts? I can promise you this. If you focus and build relationship with the Holy Spirit, you will see the power and gifts. They come because of who he is. Okay? A lot of people focus on his power and gifts and have no relationship with him and wonder why there is no power or gifts being displayed or being part of their life. Okay? Uh, you, can't, you can't have the cart before the horse. You have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So those are just some thoughts that you can think about tonight. Next week, we will look at this. The deity of the Holy Spirit. Is he God or not? I know the answer. You know the answer. But from a biblical understanding, how do we look at that?